Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. And let me add to it, Happy Easter, Heights family. He is alive. He is alive. How about a hallelujah? Hallelujah. He is alive. What a blessing. What an honor that we can all gather here today in person, online, and we do that around one simple truth. Jesus Christ, he is alive. What an awesome truth for our lives. So it's Easter Sunday. And that means now a preacher is going to have his congregation here around America, all over the world, probably turn to one of four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, These gospel stories at the beginning of the New Testament that introduce us to the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The preacher is going to have you turn to the end of those books where we're going to look at a passage on the crucifixion or the resurrection or, or both. But we won't be doing that here today. Well, I mean, yes, we will, but, but not right on the crucifixion or the resurrection. We're, we're going to be going after that a little ways. Here's what's going on at our church. We actually started celebrating Easter nine Sundays ago. Uh, we went we're using the Gospel of Luke to the middle of chapter 19, and we have been going verse by verse through the last week of Jesus' life. And that had us looking at the crucifixion a couple of Sundays ago. It was awesome. You should have been here. Uh, after that, it was the resurrection. And so then now you're wondering, well, so where, where does that leave us today? Where, where are we coming to today? Well, what, what God has for us, what Luke gave to us, we're looking at afterwards, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, which is, well, that's where you and I live, isn't it? We, we live afterwards. Now, the passage we're looking at does take place on Easter. It is later in the afternoon and, and on into that evening. So turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, or maybe you've got a Bible app and get to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin in verse 13 and go all the way to the end of Luke 24. That's verse 53. That's a long reading. If you've been around here much during these last nine weeks, you've noted all of the readings I've been doing are long readings. And with this one being a very long one, I thought, hey, what is a way I could maybe do this reading in a kind of a fun, creative way? And and this is what came to my mind. I'm going to have some of our church family join me in reading this passage together today. Would you look to the screen? That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Kuhan 
Aunque también nos han asombrado unas mujeres entre nosotros, las que antes del día fueron al sepulcro. Y como no hallaron su cuerpo, vinieron diciendo que también habían visto visión de ángeles, quienes dijeron que Él vive. Y fueron algunos de los nuestros al sepulcro y hallaron así como las mujeres habían dicho, pero a Él no le vieron. Entonces Él les dijo, Oh, insensatos y tardos de corazón para creer todo lo que los profetas han dicho. ¿No era necesario que el Cristo padeciera estas cosas y que entrara en su gloria? Y comenzando desde Moisés y siguiendo por todos los profetas, les declaraba en todas las Escrituras lo que de él decían. Jerusalem,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是吧,我是
Ви повинні проповідувати покаяння для прощення гріхів усім народам, починаючи з Єрусалиму. Пам'ятайте, що я пошлю вам того, кого обіцяв Отець мій, але залишайтеся в місті, аж доки ви одержите силу з небес. Потім Ісус вивів учнів своїх із Єрусалиму та повів аж до Віфанії, а опісля, піднявши руки, благословив їх. Благословляючи, Ісус залишив їх і вознісся на небо. Апостоли вклонилися йому, а потім повернулися до Єрусалиму, сповнені великої радості. І весь час, перебуваючи в храмі, вони славили Бога. Bringing us together. Every one of those people is an active, faithful member of this church family. And I just think that it fills my soul. Because that's what heaven looks like. And that's what God wants his church to look like. Praise God. I, I just think that's so exciting. Okay. So there's our passage for today. If you could actually read it while you were taking all of that in. Uh, I hope you were seeing the passage there in English below at what was going on. So Jesus is appearing. As a matter of fact, he appears 11 times over a span of 40 days. Some of those appearances take place with just one person. Mary Magdalene, early Sunday morning. Later that day, Peter. There's an appearance that takes place with over 500 people. And so what we just read was about two of those 11 appearances. One of those being with the two disciples on the, on the road to Emmaus. And then later that day, those same two, or a matter of fact, probably would have been late, much later that night, they were back in Jerusalem. They were in a room with the, the disciples that we, the names we call a little bit more and know a little better, and, and even others. So there's two different appearances there. I've, I've always thought that that appearance to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, that, that first thing we heard, uh, I've always thought that one stood out. I always thought it sounded different. Now, when I say that, I'm miscommunicating because that kind of implies that they all sound the same. That, that kind of implies the same thing is happening in each one of them, and, and that, that's not true at all. Did you know that Jesus appears in the daytime? He appears in the nighttime. Jesus appears indoors, he appears outdoors. He appears to one, he appears to multitudes and, and groups. All kinds of situations. There's not a formula for each appearance. But this one still, having said all that, just stands out to me as a little bit different. A couple of reasons. One, this may be, there's another one that might be close. This may be the longest appearance that Jesus had with any of the people that he appeared to. Uh, when you, when you, and when I say that, it's just, that's just kind of a feeling. When we go to the appearances in the Gospels, there's not a time stamp on this one. You know, this appearance took seven minutes and this one took 97 minutes. No, we don't, we don't get any information like that. But you read them and you kind of feel like, hey, how long did that take? When, when you read the appearance to Mary Magdalene there in the garden tomb, that feels like that probably just lasted a minute or two, right? But then you come to this one and you start doing the math on what's going on. There's the time they traveled that they walked, and it doesn't sound like they were in a hurry. Doesn't, they weren't running. 
It sounds like they were just kind of plodding along, maybe even stopped a few times. Uh, that, you know, so the distance from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Then they get to Emmaus, and then they're making a meal and preparing it, and then they begin to serve it. I'm guessing, and that, that's all it is, is a guess. I'm guessing that appearance was at least three to four hours. I mean, he spends a long time with them, which, you know, just leaves me scratching my head. Hey, why did you spend so much time with, with these guys? I mean, we, you know, we didn't even know who these guys were before Luke 24. You got Cleopas. We never heard of him. And then you've got the unnamed disciple. How'd you like to be the unnamed guy? You know, I just can't help but believe the unnamed guy goes up to the Holy Spirit every now and then in heaven and says, really, you couldn't have mentioned my name too? Cleopas? Why did he get mentioned? <laughs> we all want to see our name, but we don't see one of them. There's Cleopas and the unnamed disciple. The other thing that stands out about this is this is one of the most descriptive appearances of an appearance that we get. Again, a lot of these take place in one sentence. When he, when he meets with Peter, when he meets with the 500, we don't know anything about that. Just a simple sentence that it happened. So then you go, well, so why is there all this information with this one? Why, why is it so long? And then maybe the thing that stands out the most about this is this just kind of is weird, okay, to say? This whole Jesus hiding who he is, not, not letting them recognize him. And then, and then when they do, poof, he vanishes. Well, well, why? why? Why did you do that, Jesus? What, what is the point of that? You know, these appearances playing a very important role. They're, they're the validation. They're the evidence that Jesus is alive, physically alive, like you and me alive, like walking, talking, breathing, eating alive. This is not a spirit. This is not a ghost. He is physically alive, just like you and I are. And, and yes, this appearance does play that role because we do see that it's Jesus, but I, I read so many of these appearances, and I, you know, I read them, and I think, praise the Lord, man, that's awesome, guys, I wish I could have seen that, I wish I could have been there, but I read this one, and I'm just more scratching my head going, hey, what was with the whole hiding who you are thing? Why? Hey, out of all of the, the different appearances, why did you give me? Because God chose that, right? He chose to communicate some of these appearances in just a sentence. So why did you choose to communicate this one with so much detail, so much information? And and so I leave with those questions, and I I spent some time with this appearance. And, man, I'll tell you what, folks, maybe, maybe like those two guys on the road to Emmaus, God opened my eyes. And I began to appreciate this appearance more than than any other time, because I realize that maybe in this appearance, God is showing you and me the kind of appearance we would have. Now, now what do I mean by that? Well, wh- what are these two guys doing? They're having a conversation with God without knowing they're having a conversation with God. Well, we do that. Their thoughts, our thoughts... We're processing life, trying to understand what's going on, why it's going on, and we're working through that, and and it ends up being a conversation with God. And as they walk along there with Jesus, they're communicating frustration and hurt and anger. 
They're communicating some of the same things that you and I do as we journey through life. And I really thought this... uh, I thought this Jesus thing was going to be real. I thought it was going to make a difference. Boy, I thought, I thought God was really, I thought God was really going to do something this time. Hey, why are people so, why are they so bad? Why do they do such awful things? And is there any reason to hope anymore? Any, what in what, why would I ever have hope again? Or how about this? Hey, why does our faith have crazy people telling crazy stories? Say, did it say that in that passage? Yeah, yeah, go back and read that. And you'll hear every one of those thoughts. You'll hear every one of those ideas. And they're no different than the thoughts and ideas that you have. You and I journey through life and Obviously, the parts of the journey that hurt a little more, that sting a little more, that are a little bit harder to figure out, we have some of those same thoughts, some of those same questions. And maybe they're not just thoughts. Maybe we actually cry out to heaven. But, I mean, you ever gotten an answer? Is he really there? Is he listening? And then God brings you to the Heights Baptist on April 17th, 2022, and he points to this story and he says, yeah, I'm there. I'm always there. I'm always walking right next to you. Let's kind of get a feel for where these two guys are, what they're experiencing, what they're carrying. My guess is that what they are feeling and experiencing at this moment that we begin to read, probably very similar to what you and I today would call PTSD. They have just watched a little over 48 hours ago somebody that they very much love, very much have tied their lives to, somebody they've invested everything they are into this life. They've put all their hope, not a little bit of hope, all the hope, the hope of the world, the hope of everything they've put in this person. And, and they just watched him violently, brutally killed. What would you be feeling? And they're, they're, they're scared, they're confused, they're, they're, they're grieving. They, they don't know what to do next. They don't know where to go next. And it's into this moment that, that Jesus walks up. Now, we know it's Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. Jesus walks up into this moment. Now, if the story stopped right there, what would you imagine that Jesus would do and say there? I mean, you know, we're talking about kind, gentle Jesus. Loving patient Jesus. You know, Jesus who loves us just as we are. Jesus who loves us wherever we are. Don't don't you kind of anticipate to come up into this moment, give him a hug? Say, hey guys, it's me. Hey, everything's going to be okay. Hey, we're all good. Maybe even apologize for what he's put him through that weekend. A couple of you got that. (laughs) But that's not anything like what he said or did. I think what he says and does in light of what they're experiencing, what they're feeling is kind of shocking. 
If you still have your Bible open, if you look down there at verse 25, he says, you fools. What? The the slowness of your faith, the dullness of your faith is stunning. Would, Would... Possibly as we're journeying through life, if Jesus were to walk up next to us and we see that he's walking along with it, would he, would, he wouldn't say something like that to us, would he? Hey, Jesus, that's not very nice. You know, I, I, I can assure you Jesus is nice. Wonderfully nice, right? Perfectly nice. As a matter of fact, his niceness is the entirety of what your soul needs. But what does that niceness do? What does that love do? We say, and and it's right to say, that Jesus loves us wherever we are. Jesus loves us just as we are. But what does that love mean? What does that love do? You know, you and I are witnessing a transformation in our culture, a redefining of love. And love today means I celebrate wherever you are, even if it's in a bad place, even if it's in a wrong place, even if it's in a broken place. We just just celebrate that you're in that bad place. That's not what Jesus' love does. Jesus loves you. As a matter of fact, you know what he says? I'll come to you. Don't worry about mustering up the faith or the strength or the insight. I'll come to you. I love you that much. But I'm not going to leave you there. Hey, you know what? You're not in a good place. Hey, you're not in the right place. Let's get to where we need to be because this isn't it. That's what his love is going to do. And that means his love sometimes is going to look into your life and my life. It's going to look into the journey that we're on. And and there's going to be a challenge. There's going to be a correction. Now, you might say, well, boy, Pastor, you're putting a whole lot on one conversation there. But, you know, it's not just one conversation. As as a matter of fact, you know, I'm looking at verse 25 and following there with the two guys on on the road to Emmaus. But if you go down to verse 37 and verse 38, that's later that evening when he's with a larger group of disciples. And guess how the conversation unfolds? The same way. You're asking all these questions, you're acting confused and scared, and you're acting like I've left you without answers. You are wrong. I've always given you to the answers. You know, in all these appearances, he keeps pointing people back to the Bible, back to the Scriptures. And so, yeah, I I think there's a chance if we're journeying along that just like these two guys, he would pop down into your life and my life, and I gosh, I'd hope he'd not say, you fool, but... But you know, he might say something like this. Hey, I told you that people die. I told you why they die, and I told you that everyone would. I told you what happens after death. I told you what my father has for you, and I've told you how to secure that. Hey, I've told you why there's evil and suffering. And I've told you where I am in the midst of that. Hey, I told you why people including you, can be just awful. 
I've told you and I've told you and I've told you. I don't think in every situation you and I are going through, I don't think every single day, but some situations and some days, Jesus might come right up alongside us and say, you know, the problem here is not my lack of answers and the problem here is not my absence. The problem here is the dullness, the slowness of your faith to believe anything I've said, to do anything with what I've said. Your emotions tell on you. And because we don't believe, isn't that an interesting idea? Believers who don't believe. Because we don't believe, then we leave here in just a matter of minutes and we go charging back out there to try to make sense out of brokenness. We go charging back out there to find love and meaning and and purpose and fulfillment and we leave the one who designed us. We leave the one who created us and we leave the one who gave us all the answers to find that value that we're looking for, that identity that we're looking for, that love we're looking for. And, and we go out there and we figure it out on our own. If we forsake his answers and we forsake the mission he's put us on, that's right, we're on a mission, every one of us. As a matter of fact, you want to know kind of the one similarity that takes place in all the appearances? In every one of them, he says to them, go tell people I'm alive. That, that's the purpose of our lives. Try it out. See if it doesn't change anything. I, didn't, I don't mean try it out once between now and the day you die. I mean look at an opportunity every day, all day, to tell people Jesus is alive. Well, I don't know how to do that. And people are mean. You know, you pay for stuff like that today. And, and if they ask any questions, I'm not going to know what to do. You, you, you know, Jesus didn't tell you to figure all that out. He just said, tell him that he's alive. Well, I don't know how. Well, it involves three words. Jesus is alive. That's about it. And you say, well, okay, ha, 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 but you really can't put that in a conversation. Every day this week, God presented you with a conversation where you could have placed that. And it would have sounded loving and kind. What are you talking about? Folks, you and I rarely live a day. I mean, I guess unless we stay in our house by ourselves. But we rarely live a day that we don't have a coworker, a classmate, a neighbor, a friend, a family member share some piece of brokenness with us. They're frustrated, they're confused, they're angry. You've never met any of these people. Yeah, I mean, every, every day we are. And, you know, and that's the place to say, hey, you know, I haven't been exactly what you've been through. Or, hey, you know what? I've been through something just like that. And I'll tell you what, I'm finding more help and more hope. I'm finding more answers in one simple truth. Jesus is alive. And you just leave that there and let God do with it what he wants to do with it. But we're not going to do that. And then we charge after other things to give our lives value and meaning and purpose. And they work for a moment. And then we just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. If we forsake the answers and we forsake the mission then we'll just continue to not only experience brokenness, but not have the opportunity to help anybody we love and care about in their brokenness. Jesus is alive. 
That means he is uniquely the son of God. It means he is entirely worthy of your life, your faith, your love. He is entirely worthy of you and I studying and sharing all the answers to all the brokenness. What is the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Meaning in your life. Let's pray. Would you take just a moment and uh, talk to the Lord about what you want the resurrection to mean in your life. What you want Jesus to mean in your life. I can't voice that prayer for you. We're coming from so many places and situations, probably some similarities, but a lot of differences too. Right here, right now, just for a brief moment, tell God what you want the resurrection, what you want Jesus to mean in your life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the the picture, the promise in Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2 that tells us that right now as we began to talk to you, you bent down to listen. You put your ear right next to our soul. You put your ear right next to our mouth. Your love, your mercy, your patience is so overwhelming. Thank you that you want to hear. Lord, would you help each one of us, guide each one of us. God, would you give us the faith and the courage to believe and to act like it. To do next what I would do if I really believed you were alive. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.